What is up, YouTube? This is episode number seven of What's Next with Rio. Yes, we are at number seven. Like I said, more content for you guys. Um, I, I wouldn't be able to do this without your support. So uh, I really appreciate what you guys are doing for me. Um, but in other words, this is episode number seven. Uh, last episode, I sat down and talked with Ron Howard, uh, a basketball superstar who plays for the University of Kentucky. Um, she's looking to continue her journey through the WNBA draft in a few months. And it's potentially going to be the number one pick. So keep those eyes open. If you are a WNBA fan or have a favorite WNBA team, um, just keep those fingers, cr fingers crossed for uh, uh, Ron Howe because you might end up with her. Um, but for this episode, um, we won't be having a, uh, a basketball superstar like Ryan Howard on this time or a musician or a fashion designer. But this episode, I'll be bringing you guys an entrepreneur, um, uh, a leader of his community, uh, a pastor as well, a pastor for his church. Um, his church is called My Free Church. It is in, located in Oak Park, Illinois, which is not too far from Chicago, Illinois. Um, so stay tuned. His name is Matthew Good. Also, if you haven't subscribed yet, I'm going to need you guys to do that. Um, if you're um, a breathable being, if you're a human being, cat, dog, alien, whatever, just go subscribe. I'm, I'm going to need that. Um, but stay tuned. Uh, I'm bringing you Matthew Good, a, a leader of his community, a pastor, social media influencer, coming here to you guys. So number seven. Stay tuned. I need you to kill a spotless. I need you to kill a spotless lamb, and I need you to get the blood, and I need you to paint the blood over every doorpost, so that way when I send the angel to kill the firstborn of every Egyptian, and the angel sees the blood, that means that death will have to pass over you and your families because you are covered in the blood of Jesus. So whatever is covered in the blood of Jesus, that means that death cannot touch. Whatever is covered in the blood of Jesus, that cancer nor disease can touch it because it's covered in the blood of Jesus. I am identified because I'm covered in the blood of Jesus times are changing we're not going back to normal we're living in a new normal right here right now the blood of Jesus is powerful the blood of Jesus is the only thing that can clothe you the blood of Jesus is what makes you white as snow the blood of Jesus is what makes you a new creation the blood of Jesus is what makes your past irrelevant the blood of Jesus is what allows your past to become a platform so God can use it to show off his glory in your life it's the blood of Jesus that makes you brand new it's the blood of Jesus that identifies you growth isn't cheap your growth is expensive Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand under the sound of my voice, the very fact that God is requiring much of you means that whatever is on the other side has so much value. Trying to cause bitterness and anger, he's like, oh, okay, let me, let me see if I can throw some anger in that marriage. I can't, they're covered in the blood of Jesus. I can't do that. Oh, let me, let me, let me cause, let me, let me see if I can slip in some depression into her life and get her to think that her body is ugly and that she's unworthy to be loved. I can't, she's covered in the blood of Jesus. I can't do it. Let me, let me, let me see if I can tell this mom that she's not good enough. Let me see if I can whisper lies into her mind. Oh, I can't, she's covered in the blood of Jesus. Let me, let me, let me see, let me see. Let me, let me, let me, let me see if I can get into this family's financial accounts and let me see if I can, if I can make them broke. Let me see if I can get them to stress over their finances. Ah, I can't because their finances are covered in the blood of Jesus. Let me see of Jesus. Let me see if I can attack their mind with anxiety and depression and fear and worry and shame. I can't because their mind is covered in the blood of Jesus. I want you guys to understand that the blood of Jesus has power and the blood of Jesus is what clothes you and the blood of Jesus is what can cover you so if you feel spiritually naked if you feel like God I need to be clothed it's not found in this it's not found in your shoes it's not found in your own power but it's found when you trade in the physical cloaks and you say God I'm naked cover me with the blood of Jesus the blood of Jesus the blood of Jesus I want to be someone that sticks close to Jesus 
mean the storms won't come. It doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. It just means I don't have to go through the storm alone. And if you and I are going to go to the next level, if free church, if we're going to go to the next level, we've got to decide, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. Alrighty, Matthew Good, my man, welcome to the show, man. It's an honor to have you on here. I'm excited to get to know a little bit more about your story and um, how you're going to share it with the world. So let's get right into it for the fans and for my viewers. Um, tell me about your upbringing, you know, tell me, tell me what you do as a kid or anything like that. Man, I mean, I think you can relate to this. Uh, I mean, I did a lot of hooping when I was a kid, so... I mean, I, basketball was, was something that I just, I grew up on. And I, I started out in New York and uh, raised, my two parents were born and raised in the Bronx. And so they, they still got a heavy, a heavy up northern accent, you know, and they just born and raised. I was raised by, you know, by two parents that real, you know, real gritty people, you know, just really, I just, just had have no quit. Uh, and I just remember as, as a little kid and then moved to Florida. Uh, they they moved as snowbirds. He just wanted to just just escape the winters, you know what I mean, for just two years. But that's when I realized that you you can make plans, but when when you're living for the Lord, like He'll interrupt those plans and He'll 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 disrupt your normal. He'll, he'll disrupt what you had in mind. And I think that's sometimes the tension that we have, even me and you in our faith, is like we have our plan, like this is what I'm gonna do, and not that it's bad to plan. But then God says, not not only do I have something different, but I have something better in mind. So we were supposed to stay uh, for two years, ended up staying longer. And, you know, so kind of the rest of my upbringing was in Florida. But, um, yeah, I mean, just like every kid, I love to hoop, man. I love to play video games. I'm a huge 2K, you know, Madden. Uh, I'm the oldest of four. So I got a sister uh, who just turned 24. And, I mean, her... She, she was one of my biggest inspirations. I got a brother who's 17. Uh, he turned 17 in October. Me and him have the birthdays in October. Uh, and then my sister, so Drew, and you know her, she uh, turned 24. And then my sister uh, just turned 16 um, on the 17th. So I'm the oldest of four. So you know that, I mean, everything was tried out on me first. I was the, I was the uh, scapegoat. I was the experiment. I, <laughs> everything was tried on me. Uh, but yeah, so I, I love my family. And uh Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, it's just it's crazy how um similar our backgrounds. You know, you said you're from Bronx, New York. You know, for my viewers, I'm from Long Island, New York. It's not too far from Bronx, another borough from New York. Yeah, that's upstate. Long man. Island, that's Long upstate, Island, man. Long Island. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, some people don't really consider Long Island, New York, but for you, I'm New York born and bred, man. Don't don't try to exclude us, man. Don't do it. I got you. For, for, for your fans, I'm, I'm gonna give you a pass. But for most New York, like, New Yorker to New Yorker, man, don't do it to me. Don't do it to me. You. you know, our similar backgrounds. You. you know, we're both from New York. We moved to Florida, mm -hmm. and you know, just having that upbringing. You know, from our parents. You know, my parents the same way. They wanted to get out of the snow, which is kind of crazy how our parents both of that correlates. But uh, you know, uh, just it's just a wonderful story, and it shows how small our world is today. You know, and. Another thing that, that, that really stood out to me when you were speaking, you know, is that everyone is different, but they may have similar issues. But um, really cool about your upbringing. You know, you were involved in sports. I was involved in sports as well. You know, sports can do amazing things for people, you know, and teach valuable lessons as well. But uh, I want to get into uh, at what point in your life did uh, you really feel that preaching God's word was the right thing for you. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it definitely started. Uh, and that's another thing is that just being born and raised in a Christian household where the Lord was not just first in our lives. He was the center, right? Cause then, I mean, you get to that point where I think a lot of times in our faith, we, we, we try to fit God in a list. Like he's number one. And, and I, I get the intention behind that but i think god is too big to be put first on a list i think our lives more so ever are supposed to 
have him at the center and everything that we do, everything that we say, even how we play sports can revolve around him. And so I remember growing up and being involved in a youth group. And I just remember, and I think being involved in that youth group and my, my first youth pastor, and I still call him pastor to this day, but Pastor Paul Cisneros, he, uh, he just taught me and, and raised me kind of and helped raise me um, in the Lord. And I think when I went to youth group, um, it was it was on Friday nights at the time. So it was different than Sunday. So I was going by myself with my sister. So my parents weren't there. And I think that was really the cool part about it is that a lot of people, um, especially when they get to college or they grow older, they kind of stray away from the faith because they went. Um, to church and it was a routine and not really an authentic relationship with God. So I was going to youth group on Fridays and I was having my own encounters. I was experiencing God for myself. God was speaking to me directly apart from my parents. So I began to really know, okay, this is who God is to me. Like I know what my parents have said. I know what other people have said, but this is who God is to me. And so I remember it was around the age 15, 16. I remember I was in the car one time and I was like, mom, I think I think the Lord, because, again, you can be a preacher and not be a pastor. Like there's a, there's a huge difference between the two. Preachers just communicate. But when you're a pastor, uh, you, you are really walking with people through life, like ups and downs. And that goes apart from what happens on the stage. So I remember I was like, moms, I, I think this is what God really wants me to do. Right. And I remember she was not excited at first. Uh, you, you know, you, you would think that most parents would be like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, right. praise God. But I think she knew that anytime that you're a pastor, because really pastoring, you're working with people and, and people are broken in lots of facets and, and in different ways. And so not only do you get the best of people, but you also get the worst of people as well. And so my mom, her natural instinct, she's been a mother her whole life, is she's protective. And she was like, ah, you know, she wasn't really too sure about it. But as I began to grow in my own faith, I couldn't deny what God was speaking. I couldn't deny what I was hearing him tell me. And I was like, if, if I don't obey, I'm, here's my thing is I'm more I'm more afraid of what happens if I don't obey God than what happens if I do. Because there's, there's a price for both. Like there's a price for following right. God, but there's also a price for not following him. And I think I just got to a point in my life where I'm like one price um, is way more expensive than the other. And I, I made a choice and I'm like, I'm going to follow what God is telling me to do. And I'm going to, I'm going to preach this word and I'm going to be a pastor. And I, I man, that's, that's a, so. a really cool story, man. Um, listen, bro, you should have been in the back car with me. I think we were driving, bro, we were driving in a yeah. white minivan and I was like, mom, I think, and my dad was there too, but he was driving, you know, my dad's more chill, real cool. You know, just didn't really say. I don't. I don't remember him saying. Like, I just remember my mom's looking back, and she just had like an unsure look, and and for good reason. Because again, when you you know when you're a pastor, you know you're dealing with people, and people will you know people will turn on you. People are with you one week, and then one one week they're against you. So her her reasons for feeling that uncertainty were very valid reasons. I'm not saying it was unnecessary or uncalled for. What I'm saying is that. I just, you have to get to a point in your own faith, in your own walk with God, where it's like, listen, whether everybody agrees with it or whether nobody agrees with it, I have a responsibility uh, to, to give my life back to God. And so I, I just, I got to that point and I never, I never looked back, bro. So it was, it was blessing, best decision I ever made in my life. Yes, one yes, I respect that. Um, so what's the, what's the experience been like, you know, preaching to the younger generation? Man, you know, that's, that's a great question. I, I would say the experience is, and what I sense for this generation, this generation um, is is in desperate need of not just a move of God, not just a touch from God, but an authentic move and an authentic touch from God. And so what, what the experience is like for me is I, I feel a responsibility to not just preach and teach the word of God, in a way that sounds fancy or in a way that sounds good, but to also preach it and communicate and teach it in a way that's very authentic and in a way that's very real. Because what I have noticed, Mario, with these generation of students, high school, middle school, and even in college, um, is that this generation of young people, they can sniff 
authenticity or lack thereof from a mile away. So in other words, what I'm saying is that if you're not real and, and if you're not just bringing yourself to the table, if you're not being authentic, if you're not teaching the word of God in an authentic way, the students can sense that. And anytime students and people in general, when they can sense something that is fake and not real, they immediately begin to mentally and emotionally detach to where they're present, they're in the seat, but they're not really listening to you. And so I just, I think the experience is great. It's wonderful uh, because I get to, I mean, anytime I get to teach God's word, I'm, I'm preaching about God. Like this is who God is. I'm, I'm preaching yes. about the work that Jesus died and resurrected and loves every single human being. Like he loves the world. Uh, but I also feel the responsibility, responsibility to number one, teach God's word with accuracy. And number two, teach it with authenticity. And then number three, teach it with vulnerability. Yeah. Because some of my most some of my most powerful messages have come from a place of vulnerability and letting the people know, hey, this is where I went wrong. And because I care about you as your pastor, I want you to be better than me. I don't want you to make the same mistake right. that I did when I was 14, 15. So it's really cool, but it also humanizes me because it reminds me that I used to be where you were and i used to struggle in areas that yeah. you used to struggle so i have to I have to preach and communicate talk like about like, talk about using your experience man yeah yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um using my experience it really is again this is not going to sound fancy but again i think we are in desperate need of pastors and communicators and not even that because you play basketball of, of teachers and coaches and mentors yeah. and leaders that lead from a place of, hey, listen, I'm going to show you exactly where I right. stay. I think that that's something that God has really convicted me about because it's like you, we can sit here between you and I uh, and, and we can discuss our successes and, and, and what we've done right. And, and that'd be great. We'd be smiling and laughing. I did this right. right. You did this right. I want this and that. But again, there's something really powerful and something really authentic when a leader or a mentor or someone that we're being trained by or even someone that we just look up to and they let us know where they failed. Because really at the end of the day, no matter if you're the richest man in the world or you're the poorest man, whether you're Jeff Bezos or whether you're the janitor at a local middle school, we are all human in this sense that we have all failed at some point. We have all got it wrong. Definitely. nobody, Nobody's perfect anyway, so like... You, you know what I'm yeah. saying? That, that doesn't even matter. It shouldn't matter because nobody's perfect in the long run. Right. But at the same time, you're right. Nobody's perfect. But Mario, I will say this for pastors especially, but not even that. For coaches, for, for influencers, anyone who has a responsibility of leading, influencing, and they know that people are watching them and look up to them, there is this pressure to present yourself as perfect. And so... Uh, when when you when you don't present yourself as someone that's perfect, when you are vulnerable or transparent, again it lets you know that at the end of the day, no matter how much money you got in your account, no matter how much drip you got, no matter what you have going for you, no matter how many TikTok or Instagram followers or how much influence you have, at the end of the day, we are all still human. And so sometimes, but sometimes because of our positions, uh, we we tend to forget that we think, oh, well, I'm. I'm the man or I'm I'm the girl. I got it. No, like we we all we all struggle. We all fall short, and so um, there there is that pressure sometimes, and I feel it. I'll be I feel it sometimes to to fall into that, but I have to remind myself that I'm just I'm just an individual who's really being used by God, and I never want to take that for granted. Of course, of course, my man. Um, I want to you. I want to get into um how you talked about you know. We can all be influencers and stuff like that. You know, I see you as a not only a, a, a pastor and a man of God, but I also see you as a leader of your community and a and a social media influencer as well. Um, but as you can see, you know, you're not limited to just being one person or one career. You know, you, you you're a guy that has multiple uh, multiple career paths and multiple ab abilities and talents. But I want to ask you is uh, when did you decide not to be limited by one title or one function, if you get what I'm saying? No, I get what you're saying. You know, that's a good question, Mario. And I think, and even I, I still have to remind myself of this daily, is that everything 
as a believer, as, as a follower, as someone who is trying to be like Christ every day, everything that I do is ministry, right? I, I used to fall into this trap and think that ministry only happens on Sundays or ministry only happens when I'm preaching or ministry only happens when I'm in the four walls of a church building. And just based on what I know from scripture, that it's absolutely, it's false. I've realized that as believers, right, as, as someone who is, who is a follower of God, every, anything and everything that I put my hands to is a ministry. My social media is a, is a ministry. Um, if I, you know, if, if I like you, you know, when I do my podcast, that is a ministry. If I, if I become an assistant coach one day at a local high school, that's a ministry. If I decide to, you know, go into modeling on the side, that's a ministry. And so I think I would say this to anyone who listens to this and they, they're a follower of Christ or they, they're a believer. I would say don't limit, you know, your ministry to just one thing because everything, like the minute that we say yes to Christ, everything we do becomes ministry and everything has the potential to be used for his glory if we use it and steward it with wisdom. And so I think that was the turning point because it, it was a perspective shift. It, it wasn't It wasn't me like finding something new to do and then like a Thomas Edison light bulb clicked and it just, you know, it, it was it was a perspective where I understood, oh, okay, God, I, like, I, I can give you glory and honor on Monday just as much as I can on Sunday and, and, and even on Tuesday and Thursday and Friday. So it, it all goes hand in hand. Uh, and so, yeah, it was, it was a perspective. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. I know for me, like, I just don't like limiting myself. You know, I, I feel like you know, I have so much dreams and, and different careers that I want to get into. You know, this is this what we have this platform of using, you know, this is something that I want to get into, you know, being a lawyer or a teacher or even a, a film producer one day. You know, these are all things that I want to get into as well. And uh, uh, yeah, let, me, let, me, let me ask you this, Mario. I, I find that really, I find that really intriguing. Uh, a film producer. Let me ask, it's, it's off the cuff. Let me ask you this. If you could if you could pick. Uh, one one actor to produce a movie with, or let's say you're producing a movie, and they go to you and say, "Hey, you have the responsibility of choosing the actor that's going to okay. be the star of this movie. Who's one actor that you're?" I, li- I like how you're switching up the gears. You're the interview. Yeah, <laughs> I like that, but that's, um, cool. that's a good question. Yeah. But I would probably go with my leading actor. I'll probably go with. Um, unfortunately, you know, he passed. He passed. Uh, I think about a year ago or two years ago, um, um, Chadwick, uh, oh yes, Chadwick, you know, um, I'll pick yeah. him or Will Smith. Uh, I think he's a, a great actor as well. But um, I like that question, man. You, you got me thinking. <laughs> I like that. Will, I love Will Smith. Like him, and Chad and Will, they're they're actors. They they can so many different roles. Like, they can play there. So many. Well, like they can do a superhero. We've seen Will Smith do comedy, but then some serious movies as well. Yeah, man, they 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 know how they do it, man. That, that, that's you got to go with those guys, man. Um, but uh, back to you know um, what you were saying about um, not being limited or you know being being not being limited to one title or one specific career or one function. You know, um, the great the great TD Jakes once said. Um, you have to be what you are and not what they call you. You know what I mean? Um, uh, sometimes they want to call you something like uh, you're a pastor, right? They just want to call you a pastor. That doesn't mean that, you, you know, they, they try to limit you into just a box and say, oh, you're just a pastor or, or you're just a basketball player. You're, they would limit you in that box and you would never get to see what God has for you, you know, outside of that box. But, uh, but I think it's so. I think that's so true, Mario. Because again, if whoever listens to this, listen to this. Labels can become limits, and we and, and we live in a world full of labels, right? To yeah. again, where maybe even for you, you know, because again, you, at one point you were just known as a hooper, you know. So someone might label you. It's it's just Mario, the basketball player, right? And and so I think I think we have to be careful because once we fall into the limitation of just following the labels that people placed on us, sometimes we listen more to the labels of people rather than the calling of God. So there's a difference between a calling and a label. So sometimes 
people live their whole life not living to their fullest God-given potential because they have spent their most of their lives a slave to the labels that people gave them. Not that all labels are bad, but like you said, Mario, that labels can become limitations. Even good ones. Like I said, being known as a basketball player is not a bad label. But let's just let's just imagine if you never broke that label, we would never be having this podcast, or you would never even think of going into film producing, or you would never think of going in to be a lawyer, right? Because you'd spend so much time into, okay, I've been labeled as a hooper, and I'm going to only try hooping, or anything that I do is going to be within the context of basketball. But now that you have, now that you have branched out, and I believe that you're going to do a lot of those things that you have in mind because you're not just labeled to limits, but you know, I've got passions, I've got dreams, I've got things that I want to do. And that's exciting. Not definitely. Labels are, they definitely, man. Um, it's yeah. the same thing with opportunities. Like when you get an opportunity and yeah. you, you're kind of hesitant to go with it, you should go with it. Like, cause you, even though it might not work out for you, it can bring you closer to what you're really destined for. You know what I mean? And you know, that that's just the that's just how life is and we just gotta you know take it take it at take it from that point um i want to get into the next question um you talked about you know god calling us and um calling us what to do what we're meant to do right but um we all know that god has given us a calling right and i know many people out there that want to go for things within their talents but they may think that i don't want to go for something Cause I don't want to look stupid, you know, or I wasn't meant to do that specific thing, but I also, but that person might also don't want to short themselves as well. You know, how do you balance that out of, you know, going for something that you think that oh, that's kind of far fetched or, but I also don't want to just like, you know, sit down and not do anything and, um, uh, short. My- mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't, I think, Great question. You know, I think that in, in, in everything, there is, especially even, even with the things that God has called us to do, right? Well, because here, here's the thing is everyone, and even believer or not, everyone is designed with this universal purpose, right? Is that we are called to, to love God and to love people. We are called to know God and to make him known to others. Now, here's where it's different because, again, God has equipped everyone with different skills, different gifts, and different talents, right? So the universal purpose for everyone, right, is we are called to know God and make him known. We're called to love God and to love others, right? And now, again, but the way that looks different is because with with the talents and the skills and the gifts that God gives everybody, that will look a little different. And so tying it back into your question is even with the things that God has called us to do, there is always some element of a risk. Here's my here's my thing. It, it may be a personal thing, is that I would rather try and at least know than not try and never know. Again, that, that might not right. be the most like <laughs> deep answer. I think I think the torture of not trying and not knowing would kill me more than to try and fail. I think. I think we have a negative connotation because really the, the term that you use, short yourself, it's really just another term for failure. And we, we are living in a culture that is hyper aware and hypersensitive and fearful of failure. And, and to be honest, I'll be honest on this podcast and let you know that sometimes I wrestle with that. And I'm like, man, if, if I start this, what if I fail or what if I look bad? But I do believe that there is power in failing because when you fail, you can actually fail forward to a point where is it a failure or is it just a lesson that we've learned? I think sometimes we're, we're, we're very quick to throw out the word failure because something didn't work out. And I think just because something doesn't work out, it doesn't mean you necessarily fail. I think to me, I think someone who doesn't even try to me, that registers more as a failure rather than trying. And at least you went for it. At least you took a risk and at least you took the jump. I think that's way better than just sitting back. To me, if if you didn't even try, to me, that's more of a failure. Where at least if you try and it doesn't work out, 
from my perspective, at least you figured out one way not to do it. And, and, and then if you feel it, you, you, you go back and you try again. And if you feel the pull from God, you keep going until the door happens or until the door opens. I think sometimes when we get the vision from God and we know what our assignment is, and we think that just because we know our assignment and our purpose from God, we think that everything is gonna be smooth sailing. We think that everything is gonna be open doors right away. Sometimes it takes a few closed doors to finally get that one open door. It's like, God, this is it. And so I think sometimes we have a, uh, we have a very romanticized view of what it looks like to walk out our God-given purpose. And we think just because God is in it, that means there won't be any challenges or any struggles or even a risk. There are things that can only happen on the other side of a risk. There are some things that God wants us to do that he has purposely um, designed for us to risk something just to see how desperate we are to walk out the very thing that God has called us to walk out. Sometimes, Man, I, just, I don't know, just desperate people are willing to take a risk. If you're desperate, you'll make the jump. If you're if you're awesome. desperate enough, you'll try. And so now now again, here's what I'm not advocating for. I'm not advocating, you know, to be dumb. I'm not, you know, to, to go out with use wisdom, use discernment, all of that. But man, sometimes you gotta gotta go for it. And that's for me too, because sometimes I'm like, what if I fail? What if I do? What if I look bad? And I, I can't afford to live my life like that, especially not a year like 20. You said it. You said it. I mean, it's okay to fail. That's that's what we got to remember. It's okay. It it's definitely okay to fail. Um, I want to talk to you about um, your uh, power of influence and you're a social media influencer. Um, but what does that mean? Yeah, yeah of course you are. <laughs> of course you are. What does that mean to you? What does the, the word social media influencer mean to you? You know, this may not be, I don't know, to me, it means something, but then there's some days I'm like, it means it means a whole lot of nothing as well. And I think I, to be honest, I'm still trying to figure out that weight of, and even that term, social media influence, because I think we're, we're living in a, in a generation, Mario, that everybody wants to be an influencer. Here's my thing is, and, and someone said this to me, and it stuck with me ever since, is that God loves everyone, everyone, e even the person who doesn't want anything to do with him. He loves the murderer. He loves the, the thief. He loves the drug dealer. Anybody that you can think of, he loves. But he does not trust everyone. He does not. God loves everyone, but doesn't trust everyone. And when I, when I heard that, that has stuck with me uh, ever since. And so we are living in a generation, Mario, that is uh, starving and thirsty for influence. But I believe that God will not give influence to everyone because if he were to give you the influence, what would you be influencing people to do? And God knows all things. And I believe sometimes he knows that if I were to give influence to this person, they would abuse the influence in which I have given them. So I guess going back to your question, I can say this. When I, when I hear that word social media influencer, I guess I just think of the word responsibility and, and realizing that what I post, uh, what I say, uh, it has weight and people are going to take to it, uh, even if it's just a, a funny post, even if it's just a light post um, that if, if, if I if I post it, it's going to hold some kind of weight to people. Um, and I feel that responsibility. But in the same breath, I'm trying to figure that out for my own life, because I know people that are so focused on their social on their social media influence that I'm like, man, focus on your in-person influence as well. There, there are some people that you, it's almost like you, you meet them in person and it's like, man, you are nothing like what you are on social media. So to me, what, what, I, what I want people to, to know about me is, yes, I have social media influence, but man, that guy Matthew or man, that guy Mario, who he is in person is way more better than who he is on social media. And that's not a bad thing. We, we've just become we've just become so obsessed with this that we think this is the final say to who a person is. And I don't think it is. And that, now, again, I'm not negating, again, what we post matters. I'm not saying that either. But I want people to also meet me face to face. Right? Man, you know what? He's the real deal. He may not be perfect. doesn't get it right all the time. But he's true to who he is. And so that's kind of that's like where I wrestle. It's like I feel the weight of responsibility. 
but how serious do I take this? Because at the end of the day, social media, and you know this above all people, it only shows such a small fraction of what's really going on. It, it, it only shows such a small percentage of who we really are. So, but at the same time, is because not everybody will get a chance to meet us face to face, they're only going to know us by what we do. Yeah, I'm old fashioned. Like I, I like to talk to people face to face. Like I, I'm, I'm a FaceTime, I'm a FaceTime person. I don't even yeah. like texting too much. And I, I'm, I'm old school. Like I'm like, listen, like let's go hoop, let's get lunch, let's let's go. It, Let's do something, you know. There's but, something about being in person, man. That's just—it's just different. I agree, bro. And I going back to even your first question. That's that is a challenge with students of this generation. And I've watched it. I've I've watched groups of friends sit together, but they don't say a word to one another. You want to know why? Because they're on their phones. But but the crazy thing is that they're on their phones in the same circle, <laughs> Mario, on their phones. And they're talking to each other on their phones. They're like snapping one another and sending memes, sending TikTok videos. Like, oh. <laughs> in front of your face, like it's just it's it's different, man. I, I like I I love social media, but I can say this confidently. I for the most part, I do know when to put down my phone and just say, "Hey, listen, man. It's just it's just me and you. We having a one on one. Like we're like we're talking. We're communicating." And I, that is a worry that I have for this generation is that we're so dependent on our phones and on social media that if you took that away, it is it is erasing our social skills. Right. Yeah, yeah, social skills. You got that right. Um, mm-hmm. You're a very uh, knowledgeable person. You, you seem to have uh, all the answers. Obviously, you're not perfect, but you seem to have all the answers, right? But uh, I want to – this is a personal question for me. You know, I want to kind of pick – pick your brain um it, it, i want to know who are some people that you listen to or read or follow up on that 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 guides you in the right direction well i mean obviously uh you know practical like my pastors my senior pastors they're they're great people people on my pastoral staff um i have i have an accountability partner i have a couple of brothers uh, my my boy josh uh, you know, I got, you see, he's just someone in my circle that I can communicate the worst of the worst to my thoughts, my struggles, my temptations. And we, we pray together, you know, he, he, he uplifts me, but he also challenges me to, uh, corrects me, um, my family, you know, my mom, uh, just practical. I, I've got good people in my circle, um, you know, different people in, in different states that I can call anytime in terms of communicators i i mean you mentioned him i love i can listen to t jakes all day all day uh his just the way he communicates god's word um is is phenomenal uh i love judah smith um the way he communicates as a pastor of church home in seattle uh, uh robert robert Madu, um he's a pastor in dallas social uh social dallas uh, who else, man? Uh, Stephen Furtick. Um, I, I had the privilege uh, of interning at Elevation Church, so I love the way he communicates as well. Uh, but overall, man, I, I'm I'm just big on accountability. I, I I'm I believe I really do believe that if you want to grow as a leader, you know what? Let's just take away leader. If you want to grow as a person, whether it's one or two people, you need heavy accountability in your life. I mean, the people that are your biggest supporters. But people that are not afraid to challenge you to grow and be like, yo, that's not right. Yo, you, you can't be out here doing that. Yo, you, you, you shouldn't have said that. Yo, you need to work on this because you need sharpening in your life. Like iron sharpens iron. And I believe everybody needs a small circle, whether it's two people, three people, four people. However big that circle is, is dependent upon everybody and their circumstance. But I, I'm, I'm a big believer that accountability is what keeps me grounded. And I'm thankful that I've got it from different angles whether it's from up far or whether it's from up close. And, uh, yeah, I got my, my boys, Bry and Wayne, I got brothers that I grew up in college with. Uh, just great people, man. Just a long list, but those those are yeah, great people. Yeah, definitely need that that circle, that supporting cast, you know, to guide you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. That always helps. I want to get into uh, your personal life. Um, how do you balance, you know, your personal time, and your time with God, like, how do you balance those two out? 
Yeah, it's good. Uh, I'm learning that. I think when it comes to personal time with God, it's, it's more it's more about rhythm. Uh, it's like it's like getting in the rhythm. Uh, again, kind of like when you know, uh, it's kind of like your your workout. You know, before like your warm ups, before you're about to play a game. Um, you know, everyone has a workout. Everyone has yeah. a rhythm of like the kind of drills they do. Um, you know, the way the way Steph Curry warms up is very different to the way Devin Booker warms up. <laughs> so, uh, the That's way true. The way, no, the way Kevin Durant warms up is very different from the way LeBron warms up. So everybody has different rhythms. I think for me, um, one thing that I'm just heavy, you know, trying to be consistent on is I'm always starting out my morning, whether it's 30 minutes to an hour. Um, I don't try to put a time limit, but just starting out my mornings uh, with uh, just quiet time, reading God's word. Uh, I, I think it is impossible to hear from God if you're not reading his word. Everybody wants to hear from God. Like, God, speak to me. And he speaks through his word. And so, and I think there's something powerful. Instead of rolling over in your bed, and the first thing that you do is go, is go on your phone and go on social media. Uh, now, again, I'm not saying, like, if it's an urgent message, I'll respond to it. But I don't, I don't, I don't usually get on social media until the afternoon, until, you know, because I just... I don't want that to be the first thing that consumes my day is focusing on what other people are doing or what did, what did he post? What did she post? What's, what's, what's he doing? What's she doing? I'm like, God, you need to have the first hour of my day, first few minutes. And uh, yeah, so that, that's a rhythm that I'm trying to develop. Uh, again, listening to podcasts, listening to sermons. So uh, when I'm, when I'm sitting in my office, when I'm driving, just, or when I'm just cooking, you know, just, you know, filling my filling my mind and my ears with the word of God. I you know listen to worship music too. So, um, and and I'm still trying to find that rhythm. Uh, that's not a, a rhythm that I perfected, and, and and maybe it's not a rhythm to necessarily perfect because rhythms change in different seasons. So, you step into different seasons of life, and uh, one you know one rhythm or a rhythm from the previous season of life might look different for this season because you're. You're, you're more busier or you have more on your plate or, or God is stretching your capacity. Uh, but one rhythm that I feel like can stay consistent for me is always starting off my morning, uh, just listening and, and, and reading God's word. I, I journal. I love to journal. Um, I journal some of my ugliest thoughts. I journal some of my deepest desires because, because I know that God can handle all that. Like he already knows it. So to me, there's something really peaceful. It's about writing my prayers out to him and, um, I mean, I, I fall asleep to worship music uh, because, again, when I when I'm going to bed, I want the last thing that I think about is to be the Lord. So, um, just just try, to, yeah, try to try to. Again, I think when it comes to developing a close relationship with God, I think people overcomplicate it, and I think they need they feel like they need to do all these big things and uh, let me just go to church every day and let me read my Bible for three hours every day. I'm like, listen, man, even if it's just five minutes a day. You just you start out your first five minutes of your morning, just read one verse. And then what begins to happen is that the more you spend time with God, your appetite for God begins to increase. So for the first couple of months, it may be five, 10 minutes. Then six months in, oh, it's 30 minutes. And then a year in, oh, it's an hour. And pretty soon you're so in tune with the Holy Spirit and you're so in tune with what God is saying that you don't, you don't even keep a time track on it. Now you can go two hours in his presence and not move. And that's what it is because people forget. Well, I don't know if they forget, but sometimes they get so caught up in just the robotics of it that they need to remember that God is a person. It's like going on. A, it's like going on a date. You know, when you go on a date with a girl, you're not going to know everything about her in one date. And if you do, that's impressive. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, like, you know, like if you do that, listen, that's impressive. But it takes time. Like, you got to get into a rhythm. You got to. You got to know what your girl likes. You got to know what she doesn't like. You got to know how to communicate with her. You got to, and so it's a, to every relationship, there is a rhythm and it's the same way with God. So I would encourage everybody, find your rhythm with God. I, I know people, Mario, that they hear from God when they're running, when they go on nature walks, when they're working out. I know people that hear from God when, when they're doing a physical activity, it, it just, it, and I love that because the way my faith looks, like the way my walk with God looks, it may be so different from yours or the next person because God communicates, or at least he wants to, 
He wants to communicate with everybody differently. I know people. I know people that hear from God through dreams. I know people that hear from God in so many different ways than I do. But I know how I hear from God. I know how He speaks to me, and it, it, and I'm okay. Like it just looks different. So there's there's rhythms to this, and I don't. Yeah. Think we have, I don't think we have to uh, overcomplicate it. Just make it simple. Yeah, and and you said you hit a few points. You know, it is different for everybody. But you know, I've met uh, people in the past that you know they've they've claimed that, you know, they haven't heard from God, you know, so any advice to those people who are struggling with their faith, you know, because I know it can be hard. They claim that, you know, how can you believe in a God that you can't see or hear or touch? You know, how, how do you deal with that? Oh, oh I mean, I mean, you, you believe that oxygen is real? Do you believe that oxygen is I real? I do believe in oxygen. <laughs> yes, I do. You, you can't you know, see it though. Can't, yeah, exactly. So, so no, I mean, like, how, how do you, you know, know through uh, science? Right. So when you when you open God's word, and and you know His attributes, and you know His character, and you know what He's about, and and you know, and the Bible literally says that though He is an invisible God. That he has laid out evidence for all of us through his visible attributes. So when you look at the world, when you look at when you look at the galaxies, like you know, th- this th- this really does. And now we'll just get into into a conversation, Mario. This really blows my mind when people are like, "Oh, I don't believe in God. I believe in science." I'm like, "But but science points to the evidence that there is a God." You know, it, does that make sense? Like, I believe in science too. I believe it. I just, just science, like it, it, when you break down the true study of science, you understand that it points to the evidence that everything from, from, from the order of the earth to, to, to the seas and, 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 and nature and, and even us, like, I just find it no coincidence that there are 8 billion people on this planet and every person has different fingerprints. I, I don't find it a coincidence, Mario, that there are 8 billion people on this planet and everyone has a different tongue print. I don't. I don't find that a coincidence. I, I find it no coincidence that there are eight billion people on this planet. And yes, there are twins, there are doppelgangers, but nobody really looks like each other fully. You, you know what I'm saying? And so for me, I'm just. You know, we 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 believe in so many things that are not seen. Why why is it that we like to challenge God when it comes? Oh, I can't see him. You can't see. I, you do understand that most people used to believe that there was a fat man every Christmas that used to travel the world in one day and drop kids. It, but so here's what I'm saying is if we're able to have childlike faith, because the Bible talks about having childlike faith, right? Not in the fact that we that we act like children, but in the simple fact that when we're kids, when we're, when we're five years old, six years old, seven years old, we don't need much reason or much evidence to believe in something. I didn't need much evidence to believe in Santa Claus. Other than this, my parents told me that Santa Claus is real. That's all, that was it. Like that was all it took. And so I think that God wants us to have childlike faith and understanding that he is so, so real. Now, again, there's, we can go down the theological stuff and, and like the evidence is there. Like I, no one can convince me of that. But just the simple things like, I'm not trying to sound nerdy, but did you know that every tiger, like every tiger that is, like no tiger has the same stripe pattern? Huh. Like, like even zebras, like even zebras in Africa, no zebra has the same stripe pattern. You like, I just, I just don't find that to be a coincidence. Like, I, I I think that our, I think our world, I think people, there's too much detail to say that, oh yeah, this world was just created by a big man. You mean to tell me that all this order was formed by by a chaotic bang? Order is not birthed from chaos. That makes no sense. Makes no sense. At least not to me. I, that's, I'm just giving you an insight to how my mind works because I believe that we serve a God who is very detailed with everything, bro. Everything. So I don't know, man. That's just that's how I think. I want to get into. Uh... You're obviously my first uh, guest for Black History Month. Um, I want to ask yeah. you, uh, 
what does Black History Month mean to you? I know for me, it means uh, knowing my roots, you know, knowing my roots at the core, you know, knowing how much sacrifice that was made for me, you know, being able to do, you know, the little things like, you know, have, have this podcast or, you know, go to, go to a university and, and get the best education. Um, you know, I, I, it, it also, it also sticks out with me because uh, Black History Month makes me recognize those who paved the way for both me and you, Matthew, you know, Dr. King, Rosa Parks. I mean, I can go on Jack Johnson, uh, Muhammad Ali, uh, Marcus Garvey, all these guys, you know, they paved the way for both of us and other African-Americans, you know, to to continue to, you know, strive and um, gain equality. So uh, what does Black History Month mean to you, Matthew? Yeah, Black History Month, uh, it means a lot of things. And it's a time of celebration uh, to celebrate, like you said, all the all the people that have paved the way to to be where we are, not even just in, in in corporate America or in society, but in athletics, you know, in uh, in, in politics, you know, uh, you know, Barack Obama being the first Black president that that opened doors in, in so many ways. Uh, black History Month is a time of celebration, but also it, it is a time of reflection to to be able to reflect on how much we've had to overcome. That it it wasn't always like this, and even still, as you can see in our world, we still face uh, racism in our country. Uh, racism is evil. Um, I know that God hates it. I know that it is, um, and the Bible has a lot to say about racism as well. Um, so it's also a time to really reflect and to really think on uh, not only where we've been, but where we are now, because we still have so much work to do. And don't get me wrong, we have come a long way, for sure, 100%. But as you can see, uh, you, you don't have to look very far to understand that uh, we are still a long way from where we want to be. So... Um, it's a Black History Month. It's it's celebration. It's reflection. Uh, it's it's a time to be educated as well. Uh, to really know, hey, these are like you said, these are some of the people who have gone before us. Um, I think it's it's a time of empowerment uh, to be able to empower uh, Black-owned businesses, to be able to empower those who feel unheard, unseen, unvalued, uh, unworthy. Uh, it comes with a lot of things. Uh, I think it means different things to. Um, to different people, uh, but that, you know, those are the words that come to mind, uh, you know, and I'm proud that uh, Black history is American history, that, uh, you know, we have so much, actually a lot to do with uh, America and, and how it is and, and what it is today, and I, don't get me wrong, I am, I am proud to be uh, an American, but we, uh, the, you know, uh, we, we just have not always had it right, you know, in how we treat uh, black and brown people. And we have uh, we have often uh, you know, more times than not missed the mark. And um, I'm very optimistic uh, for where we're headed, but also not ignorant to the fact that there is still work to be done. Um, and when I say work to be done, I don't mean work because, uh, again, I, I don't want to be I don't want to be bitter. I am not bitter. Um, I, I mourn and I, I understand and have a lot of empathy and sympathy for people that are, are, that are upset with some of the things that, are, that our people have experienced over the course of American history. But I'm also very optimistic and I know that it's very hard to make a difference or to make a dent um, if you're bitter. And so uh, I would encourage anybody, do your research, look at your history. Um, but don't let what we've been through, don't let what we saw in 2020 and even last year, don't let what you saw uh, make you bitter and make you think, oh, there's no hope. There, there's plenty of hope. Um, and obviously, the, to me, that hope will always be found in who Jesus is um, because Jesus loves black people, white exactly. people, Hispanic, Mexican, Indian, Doesn't Native matter. American. Uh, to me, and yeah, that, that's, that's what it is. That's what it means to me. So awesome, man. You hit you hit all the right points there. Um, yeah, we, we, we also gotta understand that, you know, you know, society it doesn't change overnight, you know. You can't just change racism or, or um racist people or racist uh thinking or racist ways. It doesn't just go right out the window, you know. It's just this is something that's been here for a while and it's gonna take some time, you know, as long as we stay consistent and continue continue to make change um but i want to ask you uh 
Uh, it's been an honor to have you on here, but we always end out the podcast with two questions. And these tw- two questions are, what's next for you? What's next for you, and where do you see yourself in five years? What is next for me? You know, I'll, I, I think those questions kind of go hand in hand. You know, the way I live my life or the way my life has been, let me say that. Um, in, in five years, I, I don't know. I don't know where I'll you know like I, I think God is such a surprising God and I mean that in the best way possible uh, this this life that I live of, of following Jesus first and everything else comes after my desires my preferences Mario I'm I, tr- truth be told I have no idea where I'll be <laughs> no, I'm glad you're honest know. man I, I have this if you saw my podcast trailer, um, I sat down with myself and I interviewed myself and I said the same thing. You know, I, I wasn't exactly sure where you're going to be because you never know where you're yeah. going to be or what, what road God has planned for you. So, yeah. but where I'd like to be, you know, uh, hopefully, hopefully married one day, you know, uh, hope, hopefully uh, just 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 in a good uh, just in a good content place. Uh, it has always been my desire at some point. Uh, I, I want to go back to New York. I love, I love my city. I love where, I love where I was born. So I'm not saying that'll happen uh, in the next five years, but at some point. Uh, but here's what I will say to close this off, and I think I want this to encourage myself and you, and anybody who will be listening to this, is that it's okay to not have it figured out. Uh, there is an extremely immense pressure for young people, especially in their 20s. Um, the age gap in the age group that you and I are involved with to really have it all figured out. And I've come to realize that our 20s are really a beautiful time uh, to really struggle and to fail and to wrestle with God. What are you asking me to do? Because uh, here's what I believe is that part of knowing who you are is also knowing who you're not. Part of knowing what you can do is knowing what you can't do. Uh, part of knowing where God is calling you to be is knowing where he's not called you to be as well. And I think the 20s are a really, just a beautiful uh, time and, and a perfect breeding ground. It, it's okay to be uncertain. It, it's okay to not have your five-year plan because, again, we and, and you know the times that we live in, things can change so quickly. Uh, and But I also think that it is uncertainty um, that allows our faith to really thrive. Because, again, us having faith, means that we don't have all the answers like if if we had all the answers if we knew the answer to every question there would be no need for faith and there would be no need for a reliance on god so i do think that sometimes god will allow things to be hazy so that way in order for you to know where to go it teaches you to have dependency on god and that's very anti-cultural to what america teaches because we live in a i can do bad all by myself I don't need nobody, don't trust nobody, don't fear nobody. Nobody gets in my way. And yet, when I read my Bible, when I understand what God is asking of me. Now, again, there, there are some things and a lot of things I have to do for myself. I have to be responsible. I'm not, that's not what I'm necessarily getting to. I'm talking about in the essence of like who we are, where we'll be, and our God-given purpose. Um, that is uh, going to equal uh, dependency on him. And so Mario, I don't know where exactly I'll be. I hope to be hopefully married. I hope to be uh, content. I hope to be a person that is full of joy. I hope to be a person that is uh, still inspiring people. I hope to be uh, just someone that lifts, lifts up people uh, and encourages people. Uh, I hope to still be uh, teaching God's word. I, I don't care if it's from a platform or in a Zoom meeting or in a one-on-one. I, I just I just want to be available, man. And that's that's where I'm at right now, and that may not be uh, the sexiest answer, uh, but it's real and and it's me. And uh, I just I want I want to be faithful to God because I know how faithful He's been to me. And if if not for His faithfulness, I promise you I would not be where I'm at. I promise. No, you. no. I mean that your your whole story is inspiring, man. Uh, I, I wish you all the luck. Um, I know great things are going to come to your way. Um, like you said, if it's, if it's God's will, you know, I'm sure you're, you're ready to go and, and, and you're ready to prosper as well. So, uh, 
I wish the best luck to you, my guy. Um, thank you for coming on, man. Um, viewers, hit that subscribe button for me. This is Matthew. Yo, subscribe. Subscribe to my brother Mario's podcast ASAP. He's got good content, more guests, more speakers. If you ain't on this, I don't know what you're doing. You got to get on it. Got to.